I'd like to say a very warm welcome to all of you. Um, many of you we know, but uh, and it's probably obvious. I don't need to introduce us. He's obviously Chris, and I'm obviously Christina. Um, also, really, to applaud all of those, all of you who've traveled here today. Um, <laughs> I don't quite know what kind of awards we can give for perseverance and dedication, but you surely deserve them. Okay, so this weekend we have a particular theme and a particular orientation. But before I begin to talk about that, I would just like to say a few words around arriving. Um, I know many of you have probably had a long day, but there is something always about arriving on a retreat which requires a certain kind of reorientation of heart and mind and attention that many of you will have stepped out of busy lives, work, relationships, um, and you land. And suddenly you land in this silent and quite dedicated space. And I think it requires quite a sort of intentional shift inwardly to, to really have that landing be something quite conscious. That sense for this, this brief period of time that we have here together to make this a very intentional time. You know, we have so many supports here at Gaia House that I really appreciate, you know, of, you know, just the contemplative space, the coordinators, the silence. But none of this in itself really makes a retreat. And I think what really makes a retreat is an inner dedication, an inner dedication to being here as wholeheartedly as we can be, an inner dedication to an inner listening, a dedication to being present, and in some ways a, a kind of a conscious examine, examination inwardly of what we're being, what it would be helpful to put down, and what it would, what would it be helpful to cultivate for you to be here most fully. And sometimes, you know, that answer can be very individual. But I think on a kind of overall level, it, it's very helpful to have a commitment to, to putting down many of the kind of psychological, emotional habits of planning, of busyness, of rehearsing, of, you know repetitive thinking as much as we can. In a way, to have that willingness to put some of that down, to allow ourselves to kind of settle. Certainly what I think it's helpful to cultivate is inwardly a, you know, a genuine acknowledgement of our own sense of possibility in this path and in this practice. A quality of, qualities of curiosity of investigation, of sensitivity, of listening. So much of this comes together in very, very beautiful ways to make a retreat. Um, but much of it is an inner, inner shifts and not just the outer shifts. So we have a particular theme this weekend of exploring this quality of metta or boundless friendliness. Um, many of you will know in the teaching of the Buddha that there is this collection of almost heartful qualities of metta or kindness, of compassion, of joy and of equanimity. And these qualities are often presented by the Buddha 
has been very complete paths of awakening. I think on a more immediate level in our own lives, we probably appreciate the power, the transforming power of these qualities. I don't think there is such a thing as too much kindness or too much compassion or too much joy or too much equanimity. But I think for many people in their lives, they can feel that there is not quite enough. And what the, what the Buddha presented, what the Buddha taught, is that these qualities, such as metta or boundless friendliness, these are not qualities reserved for a select few. But these are pathways. They are cultivations. They are practices. They are qualities that we learn to bring into being. So I'm going to start just a little bit by reflecting on this word metta. It is a word uh, from the Pali, the language in which the earliest discourses were recorded. And it finds its root in the verb to befriend. To befriend. So it's describing a relational way of being in this life. What it means to befriend those around us. What does it mean to befriend all of the events and experiences that each one of us encounters in this life? What does it mean to befriend ourselves? To befriend our bodies, our minds, our hearts, everything that can arise within those both the lovely and the unlovely. So we are talking about a very present moment focus, a very present moment way of relating, of acting in relationship. What the Buddha encouraged is that when this quality, this capacity for befriending is cultivated and brought into being, that it can indeed deepen in a way that it becomes an unshakable and an immeasurable kindness and friendliness. Many of you who've had some, some reading or some experience in, in exploring some of these qualities will often have heard the word metas translated as loving-kindness. I mean, personally, I don't have any argument with this phrase. But I do have a sense that for some people this is asking, it can feel a bit um, difficult. <laughs> Love in our culture carries a lot of baggage. It's a word that carries a lot of baggage. And we could imagine many situations in our lives, I'm sure, very difficult people, very difficult experiences, where to be asked to love them probably would sound a little bit much. But the possibility of befriending, of standing near to, this may indeed be possible. So let's look at this, this attitudinal relationship, this domain and the practice of metta particularly as an insight practice. So it begins with establishing, metta begins with establishing a quality of mindfulness. As the Buddha puts it in the Metta Sutta, to resolve upon this mindfulness. So he's using metta as a kind of mindfulness. To resolve upon this mindfulness during all one's waking hours, may one remain mindful of this heart and this way of living that is best in this world.
So mindfulness, as we probably all recognize, is an antidote to heedlessness, to forgetfulness. And mindfulness in this sense is an antidote, an antidote to the forgetfulness of the very pivotal quality of metta, of friendliness and kindness in our lives. The practice, uh, the nature of mindfulness is to turn towards all things. The nature of metta is cultivating the willingness to stand near to or to stand next to all things. To all people, that human domain of relationship, but the willingness and the capacity to stand near to and next to our entire world of events and experiences, to stay close to. The Buddha at times refers to metta as the highest mindfulness. Highest mindfulness. So when we think about the practice or the cultivation of metta, we use a few simple phrases. Now these phrases cultivate both intention and they cultivate focus. The phrases that we use, there's nothing particularly sacred about the ones that we will introduce, but they articulate a sense of intention. And they are an anchor. They help us to keep the mind and the heart grounded in the intention to befriend. So we don't use them for the phrases as kind of you know, empty recitations or repetitions but really as an articulation of aspiration. Articulation of aspiration. Most of us in this life would probably aspire to go into our world with a capacity for warmth, for tenderness, for acceptance, for embracing what is, most of us would probably aspire in our lives to move through our life as much as we can with the greatest depths of kindness. We know we at times forget. And so the practice of metta in beginning to articulate and express and to put into words these aspirations We learn to keep our heart steady within them. They are anchors. We can come back to them when we get lost. And we allow a lot of space between the phrases. It's a sustained dedication. So what we are cultivating in metta practice is a mind that is inclined towards kindness inclined towards freedom from aversion and ill will, a mind that is inclined towards befriending, towards tenderness and warmth. Now you'll see as we go through the weekend, we will be using different domains of human relationship because they serve as a mirror for how we engage with the spectrum of people in our world. With meta practice, we begin with ourselves. May I be happy. May I be safe and protected. May I be peaceful. May I live with ease and with kindness. We offer these intentions inwardly and then we listen inwardly. What is our response? How do those intentions land? What kind of echoes are evoked? We may discover how much we long for peace and happiness. We may discover how much we feel somehow unworthy of it. We may discover our self-story. How that can be loaded with judgment and with history. We may also discover within ourselves how very deeply 
we treasure kindness and care and tenderness. We turn our attention towards we call what we call the benefactor. Sometimes another person, sometimes appreciating our own capacity uh, for generosity, for selflessness. We turn our attention to someone we call a good friend, reflecting upon the nature of friendship, the trust, the acceptance, the empathy, the affection. We might reflect on how we can be a good friend to ourselves and what it is that actually gets in the way. But we also turn our attention to the people we feel more indifferent towards and the people that we struggle with. Sometimes the difficult person in metapractice is even ourselves. The way we struggle with ourselves, how much we can be conflicted inwardly. We discover actually the heart of metta as an insight practice that is primarily concerned with understanding and uprooting aversion and ill will. This is how the Buddha talked about metta. What is it for? It's learning to understand and uproot the tendencies of ill will, of aversion, of fear, of anxiety. We're learning to stand close to aversion. In looking at his own mind and looking at the world around him, the Buddha really recognized that there is no greater force for division, for conflict, for alienation than aversion. The toxicity of ill will that can distort our relationship to ourselves, that can distort many of the relationships in our lives, that creates separation between communities, in societies, in families. And looking at the suffering that was, it was created by ill will, the Buddha offered this solution, this pathway of possibility, that actually ill will can be transformed. It can be understood. It can be calmed. And even, even ill will can be befriended. Even ill will can be held in the light of metta. What we do in this practice here, over this very short time, and I, I want, do want to acknowledge it's a very short time, but what we are doing in this practice of cultivating warmth, kindness, friendliness, it, this is actually a training for our lives. It's not just about a sort of bubble experience here on retreat where we hope we might taste a bit of kindness it is actually a training for our lives, a pathway that can be cultivated in the entirety of our lives to actually make a difference, to actually make a difference. I think it's so important to appreciate that. I always think that you know, medita- a meditation that ends when, the, when we open our eyes and get up off the cushion is a fairly limited meditation. And certainly in, in this teaching, in this tradition, you know, the Buddha talked about formal meditation, but actually far more talked about a path. And he far more talked about our life as a path. So what we do here on retreat, in a way, is a kind of a, a, a development in a microcosmic way of the possibilities of how it may be possible to live our lives, engage in our relationships, encounter the whole range of experiences that life will bring to us, both the lovely and the difficult. So say a little bit more about the practice in a bit, but Chris, would you like to take over here? I'd also like to welcome you very warmly to this retreat. 
And a retreat is an opportunity to explore what helps the heart to ease and to open. And would really invite you to make that an exploration in a very experiential way this weekend. What helps your heart to ease and to open? The simplifying of life that is involved in coming on retreat is really supportive. Uh, and would really encourage you to enjoy a place where you only have to do one thing at a time. You know, rather than our compulsive multitasking and busyness that actually we can notice keeps the heart guarded or um, protected. Actually, to practice simplicity, the simplicity of slowing down. There's no need to hurry this weekend. And the practice of being present for what you're doing in this moment. And as many of you know, our greatest ally in that is the body. Really to uh, let the body be your anchor into presence, your portal into presence. The sensations of your body, even as you sit here now, even as we sit here now. That simplest of Mindfulness instructions to sit and to know that you're sitting. This embodied presence is is the meditator's craft. And it really supports the easing and the opening of the heart. And an aspect of this simplicity and this presence here is also the silence. And how precious it is, how precious the silence here is. And really uh, encourage you to experience it as a resource and a support, and a friendly silence that is actually filled with all the, the goodwill, uh, not only the goodwill that we are practicing when we're pra- doing meta, meta practice, but the accumulated goodwill of practice over many years in this place. And all the other people who are at Gaia House at the moment practicing So really, in a very experiential way, just to have a sense of the silence as this, as a sort of ocean of goodwill and of simplicity and of nourishment to which you can turn in any moment and let yourself be supported by. And of course, part of that is really to to practice um, for your own sake and for the community's sake, really honouring the silence. So an encouragement that, that um, in fact a request, that, that you keep the mobile phone turned off this weekend. You keep the mobile phone turned off. If you have to make any uh, practical calls, really encourage you just to do that this evening and then switch it off and, and resist the temptation to, to be checking the phone and checking texts and that sort of thing. It's such a rare and precious opportunity to spend 
48 hours in real silence, in real contemplative, supportive, rich, honoured silence. And so, you know, you can notice the impulse to read novels or check gadgets. (laughs) And out of kindness to yourself, please let that impulse pass and, and reconnect with the sense of silence. And that also extends to, obviously, to talking. And there will be times for question and answers uh, during the weekend. But really, please, um, as a way of honouring the silence for yourself and giving the gift of silence to others, really encourage you not to talk to each other and, and, and not to communicate by notes. If, if you're concerned about somebody here, please write us a note. Or if you have a practical issue, then write the coordinators a note or, or see them at one of the um, specified times. But it, I think as the years go by and, and the world gets busier and in a certain way noisier with electronic communication, it becomes more difficult and more precious to make the most of opportunities of silence like this. And really noticing how that supports the heart in easing and opening. How it enables a deeper sense of community. A community that that somehow arises from a shared silence and a shared intention to ease and to open in that silence. And we can also notice just what, just how profound the effect on our hearts is of a feeling of safety. And If this is your first time at Gaia House, I I especially want to reassure you, this is a safe and a good place. This is a safe and a good place. And if, like me, you've had a a bit of a triathlon journey to get here and feel the agitation of that still, just really to, if you like, settle into your seat here and, and let your nervous system know that it's arrived in a safe and good place. And that that practice of safety is also the practice of ethics. The practice of living in a way that honours the safety of our own body and heart and the, the bodies and hearts of the other people here and all the other living beings who live here. And so as as the Buddha really so um, in a certain way he, he, he was an ethical revolutionary in that he placed ethics right at the foundation of this path of easing and opening and knowing the heart. Uh, And so um, crisply and succinctly identified the five precepts that are throughout the centuries and millennia since the Buddha's time have been the way in which people have created safe spaces for doing this practice. And so at the start of every retreat at Gaia House, there's an invitation just to reflect on these and each of us to commit to practicing them as a way of supporting uh, this, this easing and this opening. And so the first precept, which uh, is an invitation to abstain from taking life or harming. 
and really to be as scrupulous as we can about that. You know, there are many other living beings as well as humans who share this space. Uh, and just an invitation just to practice this attitude of goodwill, this attitude of metta that, that reaches its, its widest circle in wishing all beings well. Just to practice that as we go about the house and the grounds. And to notice how that's also uh, expressed in not taking what is not freely offered. So the second precept, which is about how we respect the boundaries how we respect other people's boundaries and the boundaries of other living beings. And, and really at Gaia House, um, there is so much that, that is offered. This, this place runs on a tide of generosity. And, and we're invited when we come to Gaia House to participate in that tide of generosity. And so you've kindly signed up for doing jobs and ringing bells. Um, and it's a real theme of the weekend, generosity. Because... To do this practice for ourselves and for others is, is a generosity practice. But really just to be scrupulous about those boundaries between what is offered and what's not offered. And be really careful about that as a support to us all feeling safe. And an aspect of, of safety also relate, relates to how we hold our sexuality and the third precept which is an invitation or a commitment to uh, abstaining when on retreat from any intentional sexual activity not because it's bad or sinful but because there's a gatheredness of our energies that comes from that simplify that Commitment to not intruding on other people's space. Not intruding on other people's intimacy with themselves in in their practice. And the fourth precept, which um, is about speech and and the... uh, Intention to refrain from harmful or dishonest or harsh speech. And of course, for m- most of the weekend we're going to be in silence. Uh, and part of honouring the precept is, is honouring the silence. But also just noticing our internal speech. You know, what, what do we say about ourselves? Or what do we notice ourselves, what do we notice the mind coming up with as commentary about the people with whom we share the space? And it's not that we have to sort of quash those thoughts, but can we hold them in a way that is a commitment to kindness and to goodwill and to non-harming, non-harming to ourselves, non-harming to others. And the final precept is about intoxication. And yes, at a very... Um, physical level that refers to alcohol and, and uh, recreational drugs and there's, there's a, a, a deep request to refrain from using those this weekend if, if you, you need to smoke then I think there are instructions about going outside the grounds and of course this is not uh, talking about medicines that we need to keep taking while we're on retreat. But beyond the physical level, there's also that sense of, what else do I get intoxicated with? What else do I get intoxicated with? The the thoughts and the um, emotional storms and the, the plans and the proliferating commentary on things. 
And this precept is is an encouragement to look at how am I going to relate to that this weekend? Can I, instead of in choosing intoxication that carries me away, can I choose to practice, to practice a simplicity that enables me to be here? That enables me to step off the, the thought buses that are, so compellingly wanting to take me for a ride and carry me away and come back to the sense of the body sitting here. Come back to these intentions for kindness and goodwill. And really to commit to these precepts not as commandments that we're being required to keep but as in the service of this easing and this opening of the heart. And really to let ourselves rest and bask in the sense of safety, what the Buddha called the bliss of blamelessness that comes as we practice ethics, that comes as we practice non-harming. And so just as you're sitting here now, you know, just to sense, well, what, what am I going to commit to in the service of easing and opening my heart? Simplicity. Embodiment. Mindfulness. Silence. Safety. Okay, so we will end the evening with a short sitting period, but you might just want to take a couple of minutes just to stand up and stretch your body. To say just a, a, a tiny bit more about the formal cultivation of, of metta, um, of friendliness, of kindness. As I mentioned, a lot of this practice rests about, upon using a few simple phrases. But very important to remember that these phrases are simply ways of putting intentions into words. Now, they're not meant to produce any particular kind of feeling or emotion. I think this is very, very important to emphasize. You know, sometimes people have the perception that if they practice metta, suddenly they should feel this kind of emerging and arising you know, juicy warmth and kindness. There's all kinds of things that arise in our experience when we do metta or when we do any other form of practice. Sometimes it's lovely. Sometimes difficult feelings arise. Sometimes it's far more neutral. It doesn't matter. 
it actually doesn't matter. Because we're actually learning to take our seat in the midst of all experience with an attitude of befriending and with a cultivation of the intention to befriend. Now I want to be sort of really as clear as I can be in this. So we use a few simple phrases But of course, your attention, you will become forgetful. Probably many moments. You know, you might start, may I be peaceful, you know, and and then you'll be off somewhere or your knee will be hurting, you know, or you'll be thinking about when do I get out of here. There's all kinds of thoughts that arise. It really doesn't matter. We just learn to gently come back. Or... If our attention is drawn, for example, say you're, say you're saying, may I be peaceful, and suddenly your knee is hurting. Well, there would be something very artificial <laughs> about meta practice if we felt like we had to hold on to this phrase, may I be peaceful, and ignore this hurting knee. So what, we will, what would happen in that moment, your attention is drawn to a part of your body that feels uncomfortable. Ah, may I be peaceful in the midst of this? Or may I be peaceful with this? So we're holding that flexibility where the metta is responsive to whatever is arising but it's keeping the intention simple and clear of befriending. So I hope that's clear. Having that fluidity. Okay. So we will talk much more about the form of practice tomorrow, but for this evening, if we just take a few minutes to quietly, calmly settle into your body, and into the quietude. Cultivating a quality of listening. Listening inwardly. Listening to the sounds and the silence around you. Allowing yourself just to settle. Letting your body soften. Be as easeful as you can be. Also being upright in your back, your neck. And including in that awareness, mindfulness of all of those around you, the people you know, those you don't know. Just a mindfulness of the shared commitment of being here, the shared willingness to Cultivate our capacity for warmth, for tenderness, for kindness. So turning that same quality of appreciation inwardly to yourself.
of appreciating your own sincerity and aspirations, your willingness Just sensing how your body, your mind, your heart is in this moment. Aware within your body places that feel tight or contracted. Aware of the places in your body that feel well, feel easeful. Aware of the state of your mind in this moment. Whether your mind, your heart feels easeful or contracted, tired or bright. And however your body, mind, heart is in this moment, Establishing within yourself quality of kindness, of befriending. Touching your body, your mind, your heart with an attention of kindness, of care. This offering to yourself it's without demand, without insistence, simple wishes for your well being, for your happiness. May I be safe and protected. May I be peaceful. May I live with ease and with kindness. Sensing what it is to almost drop these phrases, these intentions, into the quietude of your attention and listen inwardly to whatever responses arise, whatever echoes arise. May I be safe and protected. May I be peaceful.
I live with ease and with kindness. expanding that goodwill, that warmth to everyone around you in this room, including yourself, maybe be safe and protected. May we be peaceful. May we live with ease and with kindness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.